You guys got to observe a little behind the scenes uh, preacher code when I said, hey, we have two songs. That was me telling Chris, hey, I know we're tight on time, but go ahead. And then when he said, hey, we have one song, that was him saying, no, it's okay. I've already told everybody we're cutting one. So anyway, just so you know, just so you know what was happening up here, that was what was going on. Hey, listen, I was in the baptistry when Miss Hope welcomed all of the four-year-olds that are in the sanctuary for the first time. But, I, man, I just want to say, welcome. I'm so excited that you guys are here. So y'all are like the VIPs today. Welcome aboard. All right, you guys, as I watched the uh, family dedication today, as I watched the, the Pierces, who are my friends and church friends, stand up here, and I watched the, the family dedication, the parent-child dedication, you know what stuck out to me? And you should listen because this is going to impact more of you than you think. I was thinking about how important Maggie and Liza Jane are going to be in Major's spiritual growth and discipleship. I, I mean, nobody can touch how important Chris and Morgan are going to be. I get that. But then I got to thinking about it. Maybe we don't appreciate sometimes how important it is to be a sister or a brother in a family when somebody's trying to follow Jesus. And so for all you sisters and brothers in Christian families, man, your impact helping make it natural for your sister and your brother to walk with Jesus. You may be a big part of their story with God. So take it seriously and congratulations that God has put you in that spot. All right, I want to pray for us and then we're going to read Matthew chapter 6. Let's go. Father, it's a blessing to be with my brothers and my sisters on this particular first day of the week. We start our day observing the resurrection, remembering that you've redeemed us and you've started a new creation. And God, we want, we want to live like that new creation, even in the broken one. We've been changed and we know it. And God, I pray that you would help us to live according to the beauty of what you're making new, according to the life and the teachings and the victory of Christ Jesus. So Lord, on today's topic, I pray that you would give me wisdom and sensitivity. But God, I pray that you would give all of us freedom. I ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're talking about a topic that affects every family in our church. This is something Jesus spoke directly into, that almost everybody in the sanctuary would raise their hand and say, Ben, this has gotten the better of me. In a big way or in a small way, in my life, this has crippled me in my faith at some point in my journey. It's not some like terrible, grotesque sin that makes the news. Nobody's going to lose their job over it. So you might not think about it. I not preach many sermons about it. In fact, we might argue in the foyer of whether it's a sin or not. It's something Jesus told us not to do, but it's not morally wrong or evil. But it is a lack of faith. And it does lead to a mess. Today we're going to read what Jesus taught us about worry. And the root for our worry is fear. And as most of us know it in our generation, its first cousin is anxiety. So we're going to talk about worry, anxiety, and fear in the Christian life. We're going to listen to what Jesus had to say about it. And I, as your pastor, am going to pray that God would put us in a healthy Christian community, that he would teach us to walk with Jesus in a way that will set us free from the crippling effects of worry, anxiety, and fear. Now, to set it up, I think I have to flash back to the last sermon. We're reading through the Sermon on the Mount together, just bit by bit, following the logic of Jesus. And where we left 
Last week, our heroes were, I feel like I'm setting up like a kid's cartoon. Last week, our heroes were precariously trapped between an army. Last week, our heroes were listening to Jesus as he preached about money and worshiping God. He told us that we need to store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. He told us we need, we need to be careful so we're not walking around with eyes that are covetous and greedy all the time, but that we look at the world through a lens of generosity and, and gratitude. And he told us that we've got to be very careful because we cannot worship God and money. We're going we're gonna to pick one or the other. If we try to hold on to both of them, we're going we're gonna to serve one well and fail the other. We cannot serve God and money. Well, the logical next step is on that hillside, those disciples who are listening to Jesus might look up and say, okay, I don't want to worship money. I want to worship God. I don't want to store up treasures on earth. I want to store up treasures in heaven. But Jesus, I'm scared. If I don't store up my treasures here, if I worship God, not money, are you sure that God will take care of me? Are you sure that he's not going to leave me hanging because I've got bills, I've got mouths to feed, I have all kinds of very, very practical needs that I, I need to know they're met. And before I hand over control to God, I need you to tell me, Jesus, can I trust him? I don't want to worship money. But if I walk away from that idol, Jesus, can you tell me that God will hold me up? Will he catch me? And the very next section of the Sermon on the Mount is about fear and worry and faith and provision. So what you're going to see is three times in this passage... Jesus is going to tell believers, don't worry. He's going to give us the example of our life and our body. Our, for us, I mean, our life will be food, will be our, our food that we eat, things that keep us alive. Our body will be closed. You're going to watch that come up and then fade and come back up and then fade. He uses that example. So let's just dive in. As we get ready to study this passage, let's begin in verse 25 together. Chapter 6 of Matthew's Gospel, verse 25. Here's what Jesus said. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? A couple of things I observed. Number one, the first word, therefore, he's connecting this to the worship of money. In other words, if you're willing to stop worshiping money, you're going to have to step forward into faith with God. And I realize that your baby steps, especially in your first season of not worshiping money anymore, is that you're going to have a hard time trusting God. You're going to look over your shoulder and you're going to keep asking yourself, are you there? Are you there? Are you there? You're going to have fear and that fear is going to give birth to anxiety and, as the Bible calls it here, worry. Unnecessary thoughts, troublesome thoughts that will just bury you in a hole. Now, there's a couple things that I want to show you about worry in this passage. Number one, whether I like it or whether I don't like it, this is not a suggestion for Jesus. This is not a good idea. It's not a moral principle. Look at the words. He said, do not worry. I know that some of you went back to school Friday, and some of you are about to go back to school, all right? But all of you will be taking some type of grammar or language class, right? So you've heard this word. This is an imperative. It's a command. Like, I looked it up in Greek just to be sure. This first time it happens, Jesus is telling you what to do. It's like when your mama says, go now. Go clean your room. It's not a good idea. It's not a suggestion. It is a command. 
Jesus is not telling us, you'd be better off if you wouldn't worry so much. Jesus is not telling us, I don't think it's a good idea to worry. Jesus is not telling us, you'll have a happier, better, more peaceful life if you'll stop worrying. Jesus is looking at people who are following him, and he is saying directly, don't worry. All right, now this is tricky because I respect the reality that our generation lives in. We have so many modern conveniences. We're constantly plugged in. We have all the information we want. And, you know, we are living in the best economy in the world, even on a bad day. That said, we've got a lot going for us. But in the midst of what it takes to take that machine running, we are the most anxious generation since people have kept records. We're, we're mentally unhealthy. We have more depression and anxiety, worry, than any generation that we've ever kept records on before us. You are under a terrific amount of pressure. And so I, I really, I have some real fear, if you will. I don't want to sound as if I'm standing in the pulpit looking at my sisters and brothers who are battling depression and anxiety as if I'm telling you, just stop worrying and you'll be fine. I respect that your battle is bigger than that. I respect that your struggle is harder than that. But, but there's nothing I can do about the fact that Jesus was very clear that he said, don't worry. So for some of you, for some of you, I need to look at you and say, I don't intend to oversimplify this. So forgive me, give me the benefit of the doubt if it sounds at any point like I am. On the other hand, for many of us, you're not battling anxiety and clinical depression. You're just worrying. You just won't, you just won't stop. You, and I'll say this, I don't want to over simplify this for my brothers and sisters that are battling worry in a complicated way. But I also don't want to overcomplicate it for my brothers and sisters that need to just today make a decision that they're going to hand some things over to God. They're going to cast their cares on Jesus and walk out the doors of the church ready to walk in a different kind of faith. So let me say this as I set the carpet, the red carpet for the rest of the sermon. Some of you, you can find some freedom in this in one day. Praise God. You're going to say, Jesus, you told me not to worry, and I'm going to give every worry some thought over to you. I'm going to walk in obedience. For some of you, you're going to find a Z. You're going to walk to the altar, lay it down, walk out of here free. Well, praise God for that. For many others, this sanctification process of becoming free from worry is going to take days, weeks, months, or the rest of your life. And for you, here's what I'm asking. Start today. I'm asking everybody to choose to obey Jesus today. For some of you, that obedience will come easily. For some of you, it will be a hard-fought battle. Listen, I, listen, we'll see you tonight, 5 o'clock, celebrate recovery. We got a group for that, I promise. I'm serious. So whatever it takes, whether it's saying I'm going to take a first step or a final step, this is what I'm asking. I don't want to beat anybody up, but I do want to say we cannot walk out the church and say worry is no big deal because Jesus told believers not to worry. And in the Sermon on the Mount, it was directly connected to we can't worship God. We've got to pick our eyes up and worship the Lord. Okay, so I don't want to make this hard. I don't want to beat anybody up. But also for those of you who are overcomplicating it, I don't want to make it too, I don't want to make it, I don't make it too simple, but I don't want to make it overcomplicated either. I'm just asking you, what is your next step to saying, Jesus, I want to obey you. I'm ready to stop worrying. Listen to me. Some of you guys, school started. You're one day in. And you've already, you're on the edge of having an ulcer just over which shoes to wear what people think of you, what was said about you, what classes you're in, whether or not you can make first chair. If you like your teacher, if you don't like your teacher, who do you sit with at lunch? 
You're already stressed out of your mind on whether you're, where you're going to college and what your grades are going to be. I mean, if I could give you a gift, I wish I could just bring Jesus into this room, like let him walk around among us and look at us, let us look at him and go, oh, I feel so much better now. I wish, you could, I wish Jesus could be here and just heal all that worry that you feel. I'm standing here asking to look to him and let him start. So as a brand new school year is starting, I'm looking at my youngest generation. I'm looking at the high schoolers. I'm looking at the middle schoolers, the elementary school kids. And I'm, I'm asking you, don't build your life on worry. Like as you're making some choices about who you're going to become, I promise there's plenty to worry about. So just learn now to hand some of those things over to Jesus. I'm not telling you in this sermon, to be clear, I'm not telling you in this sermon that you shouldn't plan. I'm not telling you in this sermon that you shouldn't work hard. I'm not telling you in this sermon that you shouldn't save up or be smart. Jesus and the rest of the Bible tell us to do those things. I'm telling you that when you've done what you could, you shouldn't worry. So now let's move forward. I think that's, that's my big preface because I want to serve the church, not hurt the church. So that's my big opening line. Let's walk into it. Okay, so as he tells us not to worry, this is clearly a command from Jesus. But as we move into it, there's a couple of things. <coughs> there's a couple of things that I want you to pick up on. All right. First of all, I want you to see this from Jesus. At the end of verse 25, he tells us, "Hey, don't worry about your life, what you eat. Don't worry about your body, what you wear." But then look at this statement. Look at this little statement at the end of verse 25. He said, "This is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes." I don't know, I just sort of thought about how helpful that was. Like to, to realize that when we start to worry a ton, this is kind of what happens. I wear glasses. Does anybody else in the room wear glasses? Yeah. Oh, yeah, a bunch of you guys do. I can't tell when I take mine off, but when I put them on, wow, there you are. I don't know if you've ever had tunnel vision where you kind of had blinders on. You know, where all you, like when you go for a new prescription, the doctor sits you down this big fancy contraption that I feel like came off of a Star Wars ship or something, right? He starts flipping all the levers and he closes this eye and all I can see is light through this one little peephole in a letter and he's like, is this fuzzy? I'm like, I don't know. I can't even tell. I'm scared, right? And I just keep, I hate, I hate those vision tests. God bless all, all the eye doctors in the room, but I hate the vision tests because I just, I want to pass every test and I know I'm getting worse every year, Right. So I'm looking through that little light, and all I can see is those little fuzzy, fuzzy letters, and that is it. And for that one moment, one moment, all I can see, all I can think about is that little light shining on those fuzzy letters, and I don't even know what to tell him. Go back one, go forward one, I don't know, they're about the same, right? When you start to live in your worry, you get such tunnel vision that all you can see is this thing. I'm sitting there looking in that little scope, and I've got a wonderful wife. I've got a terrific church that I love, that I serve. I've got a great family. I've got so many things going right in my life. But I'm sitting there, and that doctor's asking me questions, and all I can see is this. And Jesus says, hey, look, isn't life more than food and clothes? If that's what you guys are worried about. And on that hillside, these people were worried about what to eat tomorrow and what to wear. Their world was different than ours. Fast forward, we're worried about grades scholarships, colleges, how our kids act, what social media says, doctors' reports. We're worried about a million and one other things. I know that. So take those things and fill in the blank. Is not life more than what people think about you or what your boss just said? The problem with worry is it gives us tunnel vision so we cannot see what all God is doing in our life. 
All we can see is this one little miserable part of our life that's driving us nuts. And Jesus looks at a bunch of people and says, hey, life is bigger than this. Let's do it. So he gives us two examples. Let's read verse 26 to 30. Jesus gives us two examples of how he wants us to engage worry. He's going to talk about your life, what you eat. He's going to talk about your body, what you wear. So let's read verse 25 and following. Verse 26 and following. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He's talking about your life, your food. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Let's keep going. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So that's what Jesus says. All right, let me show you how this works. i got a slide that shows you how there's a pattern in these two examples, life and body. In each of them, like in life, Jesus tells you that he's talking about what you'll eat and drink. And in the body, he's talking about clues, flowers, and clothes. Um, if you will, go to the next slide and let me walk you through this. So the topic of the first one is, don't worry about your life. That means what you eat and drink. For Jesus, for Jesus. And then he, the truth of what he teaches you is he said, look, God's going to take care of you. Like the solution in Matthew 6 to great worry is actually faith and focus on God. I'm not trying to oversimplify. Like, listen, we'll, we support counselors. We support healthy groups. Man, we love what's happening in our, in our anxiety group at CR. I realize that God brings the kingdom together to help us walk in Jesus. But the beginning of your healing comes from that moment when in recovery language when we step across, you know, step three. When we look at God and say, I want to do it your way. I'm taking a big step towards you, and today I want to start trusting you. Show me how to do this. And for, for, for us, I'm telling you, I need you to believe that God loves you and cares about you, that he sees you and he knows. The example he gives on life is, look at birds. We had a couple of birds that were making a nest above one of our security cameras. That made very interesting footage around church for a while. They raised their little babies, and when I would walk in and out, and I'd see those little birds sitting on the security camera, I would laugh and pray that they would not poop on any of you guys when you walked beneath that doorway. But second, I re every time I saw them, I thought, man, if God really is paying attention to those tiny little birds peeping out of that little bitty nest, do I really believe that he's caring about me? I know your school feels big. I know your family feels big. I know your problems feel big. But I promise you, God sees you clearly. He provides for those little birds. He provides for you. And the lesson, he says, hey, don't worry. Worry won't add one hour to your life. So flip to the next slide. The other example, the example about clothes. And bless your hearts, like as I was thinking about you going back to school, I remember how much I used to stress over what, I, can I wear shorts, do I wear these shoes, does this look cool, is it tuck, do you whole tuck, front tuck, side tuck, is it an even tuck or an uneven tuck, oh my gosh, is my hair right, is it wrong, is it too big, is it too small, should I do it like this or do it like that, I wish I had their hair, I wish I had their hair, yeah, I mean, I remember the pressure of being a teenager and trying to get dressed, man, if I could heal my brothers and sisters of that, wouldn't it be a blessing, 
So funny that 2,000 years ago people cared about their clothes and even more so now. So Jesus is introducing the topic of like God, God can take care of you. He can clothe you. He's talking about your clothes. The truth is, again, same truth. God cares for you. This is creator care. And then the next thing is like the example is he said, look at the flowers, right? They're growing out there, just lilies and grass. They're growing. They're beautiful. Even King Solomon wasn't clothed as well as like just flowers that God made. And then he tells them like if, if these things are thrown into the fire, don't you think God cares more about you? And then he says, you have little faith. All right, so when I walk through these and try to take out some things that you can take home with you and I can take home with me, this is what I came out with on these examples. First of all, don't you forget that life is more than this stuff you're worried about. Whether it's retirement or healing, whether it's a doctor's report or whether it's an evaluation at work, whether it's what's happening in your family or how your big brother's acting or what people are going to think tomorrow at school, life is bigger than that. Do not get tunnel vision. As your pastor, I'm asking you, lift your eyes, stop looking at that, and start looking for people to love and to serve. Stop asking, stop asking what's going to go wrong tomorrow and start asking Jesus how he can give you generous eyes to see where the needs are and how you can bless people. That was last week's sermon flowing into this one. Another thing that I saw, kind of point number three if you're keeping notes, is what I learned by reading Matthew 6 is that God cares for his creation. Like he's really, really good at what he does. And he made a world that is remarkable and marvelous from corner to corner. He knows what's here and he cares about it, which means he cares about you too. Like he knows what you're worried about. This is not me telling you it's going to go away tomorrow, but this is telling me telling you that God sees, he loves you, he's well aware, and he cares. Like in fact, if, if, if you can, the whole thing that Jesus is teaching us under this passage about worry is that we have to kind of choose. We're going to stay stressed out of our mind if we continue, continue to worry and think that we have to solve all these issues. And the option is that we put faith in God, specifically that we trust that God loves you, He sees you, and He wants to provide for you. And as the passage moves forward, that sets you free. Not to live for the worries of the world, but to live for the kingdom. To seek first the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus wanted 2,000 years ago and today. So the third thing was that God cares for his creation. And I need to ask you, do you believe that? Like, literally, do you believe that God loves you? That he sees you, that he hears your prayers? Do you know that you matter to him? I mean, it's weird to say it because sometimes we're nasty to each other and sometimes we're very unimpressive. But, like, biblically, of all the wonderful things God made in this world that take your breath away, sunsets and rainbows, butterflies, solar eclipses, the Grand Canyon, the depths of the ocean, of all the marvelous things God made, like, he made you special, he made people special, and you matter. And I guess I have to ask us once in a while, do you still believe that? Fourth thing that I see, Jesus clearly told us that worry cannot add one hour to your life. And the way I think of it is your worry can't add one hour to your life. Now, contrary to that, I think that researchers are proving that worry can take an hour from your life, but it can't add one. Prayer seems to be able to add time to your life. 
giving you peace, a connection with God. But worry can't. So whatever it is that you and I are worried about, you can worry about it all day today, you can worry about it all day tomorrow, but your worry won't fix it, and your worry won't improve your life. It won't make it longer, it won't make it better, it won't add a single thing. It can rob you, but it can't bless you. Fifth, Jesus, after he explained to us how well God took care of the flowers, he looked at us and he said, you guys, you have little faith. And I kind of took that personally. Like, I'm not mad at Jesus. He's right. But I took that personally because I thought, you know what? It's sort of like Jesus is looking up and saying, all right, Ben, do you have faith in me? Yes, I do. Well, then why are you so worried about which pants to wear and how everybody's going to think, you know, what they're going to think about which pants you picked? Ben, do you trust me? Oh, yes. Well, then if all the things I've told you about what's important and what I'm doing in the world, why are you so worried about your hair? Get it cut, don't get it cut, it doesn't matter. But stop worrying about it and have faith in me. Because he directly said, you of little faith, as if like all those disciples on that hillside 2,000 years ago who were going home worrying, he was saying, guys, your faith has got to grow. And I took that a little bit personally because I thought, man, I would tell you I got great faith in Jesus, but then I've realized, like according to what he's saying here, I've got room for my faith to grow. There's plenty of things that I worry about. Deep down, plenty of things I'm afraid of. People's opinions, success, grow in the church, you name it, make a list. Who I've disappointed, make a list. And I hear Jesus saying to me, Ben, where's your faith? Do you still, are you still looking at me? You still trust me? Let's read verse 31 and 34 so you nice folks can go eat lunch. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Hey, by the way, that's the second time he's told us, don't worry. For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry, third time, about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The last three things I get here, so it's like number six, seven, and eight, right? Number six is Jesus told us directly, he's like, don't worry like a pagan, right? I remember when I, when I was uh, in high school, there was a song that we thought was awesome. I'm going to party like it's 1999. Y'all remember that? Seems like that was a long time ago now, not so futuristic. Well, I got to think about it. You know, those brothers and sisters, they wanted to party like it was 1999. Well, it's interesting to me. That a lot of us, you're not partying like it's 1999, but you are worrying like a pagan. And that hurts me because I'm like, me too. Jesus said, don't worry so much about these things, these worldly things. What you wear, are you going to find something to eat today? Don't worry about that stuff. Jesus directly said, Ben, you're acting like a pagan. You're worrying like a pagan. You're worrying like somebody that doesn't know me. And I just, I, I feel so offended. I'm like, Jesus, what do you mean? Like, it seems like Jesus on that hillside, and he literally thinks that if you and I have this connection with God that he's trying to give us, We'll really believe that God cares. We'll really be able to put faith in him and trust that he's watching and moving our life. And that the end result will be, we'll be different than pagans. That we won't carry around toxic worry and fear and anxiety. And, for, and I'm sitting here going, wow. Like Jesus sees your connection with God affecting your daily life in such a way that you're distinguishable from your neighbors who don't know God. Not, not only that, but it seems to Jesus that it's fundamental to Christian faith that we wouldn't walk around worrying. 
which makes me feel really guilty when I think about how much I've worried. And maybe you do too. And so I'm, I'm asking at the end of the sermon in a minute, just take your first step. For, for some of you, that's all you've got to do. For some of you, it's going to be the first of a thousand. But just would you take your first step and say, Jesus, I'm turning my back on worry. I repent of that. And I'm, I'm running to God. I'm running to you, Jesus. I'm coming in faith. But it seems to Jesus that pagans worry and that Christians who see God in the right way somehow are free because of faith. Different priorities. They're seeking the kingdom. They're not seeking the approval of the second row of the cheap seats. They're not worried about everybody's opinion. They're seeking God. They're set free. Um, a biblical commentator said this. And I just, man, this hurt me. He said, worry is practical atheism. In other words, according to Jesus, it's like, if I persist in this kind of worry, it is as if... I don't believe that there's a God out there that can take care of me and has a plan for this. I know how strong that sounds. But that's a wake up for me. You know, I, and listen, I, I try so hard to not sound like I'm just a preacher stand up here preaching indifferently to people. You know, guys, I feel this first. And I love this church, and I respect the, metal, the amount of things you have to worry about. I mean, who's battling cancer? Who's losing a loved one? Whose job is in tight straits? Whose marriage is falling apart? Whose kids are really strong? I feel you. I, trust me, I feel you. I take it home every day. I feel you. And I respect all that. But I'm also reading the Bible where Jesus is saying, I want to give you freedom from that. And the last thing in the world I want to do as a pastor is deny us finding the freedom that we have in Jesus. To find Christian community, to find a God that loves us, to walk together in a way that we begin to understand His path for our life. And we can find, whether it's today or over a series of months, freedom from fear and worry. So He tells us in verse in number 7, He tells us in verse 33, that you and I are not supposed to live like pagans. That we're supposed to do something really different. We're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all the other things you're worried about will be added to you. That we're supposed to be seeking God. So I, I got to thinking about how this works. And it looks to me like on the one hand, I'm going to walk out of church today. And I'm going to choose to worry. I'm going to choose to believe that I have to solve it all. I'm going to, I'm going to choose to dwell in my fear or I'm going to take whatever steps I have to take to not worry, to, to believe that God who takes care of birds and flowers can take care of me. To have faith that God is moving in my life. To not act like a pagan and chase after the same stuff my neighbors are. And to seek His kingdom first. And for some of us, if we started seeking his kingdom tomorrow, like if you went to school tomorrow and you said, I, I, I'm not going worried about what everybody thinks about my style. I'm going worried about how I can serve Jesus today. A lot of your, freeze would magic, a lot of your fears would magically slough off because you're not looking through that tunnel vision right now. Like seeking the kingdom will solve a lot of these problems, to be honest. The last thing he told us is that 
we ought not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. And I don't think Jesus was just trying to tell us to be carefree. I think he was trying to show us the freedom that can be offered in a life of faith. That if we'll trust God in the way Jesus is asking us to, you'll be free to go to bed tonight knowing that when you wake up in the morning, the first voice to greet you will be the God that has watched you sleep. And you'll be able to handle whatever comes that day, hard or easy, knowing that you're not alone and he is not surprised. So here's what I ask. I want to invite our worship team to join me on the platform. I'm just asking you to choose. If you're that sister or brother today that has been plagued by worry and anxiety and fear, and that's most of us, I'm asking today, would you make a step of obedience to Jesus to lay that down? Would you resolve today that in a way of worshiping God, you're going to say yes to Jesus' teachings and no to a world that is soaked in anxiety. That you're going to look up and say, I, I'm saying yes. And listen, I know, I know it's not magic. I tell couples sometimes when they walk into marriage counseling and they've been married for 25 years and they're mad and they're fighting, marriage is hanging on by a thread. I tell a lot of us, like, you may not know it, you may not feel it, but you've already made the first right decision just by turning around and saying, let's go in the right direction. And if that's all you can do, then do it. I'm just, if you say, Ben, I'm going to need counseling the rest of my life, pray, fine, praise God for Christian counselors. But I'm asking you, would you take that first step? Would you say that today I resolve to give my fear and my worry and my anxiety to Jesus and I will battle it? Listen, we'll, high attendance tonight at CR tonight. We'll see you. Five o'clock in the fellowship hall. I'm telling you, we've got a group for that. I'm just asking you before you leave today, will you lay down your worry? And when you walk in faith, would you believe that Jesus can work in this part of your life? Let's pray. God, we need your help. I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us the wisdom to live in faith. That we would learn what it is to trust you for what we eat, for what we wear, for what you want. That our eyes, Lord, would be lifted to see the kingdom. God, I pray that you'd help us to live like different people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.